Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 79. Today, the episode is entitled Personal and Powerful. And our theme today as we look through these passages is that God is not a God of superstitious power or of some kind of charm nature. He's not a genie that you rub out of a lamp, but he is a personal God who has personal relationships with people, who calls people, who cares for people, who loves them, but also does all that with great power that is not to be taken for granted or thought that we could control or manage him. And so let's see this personal and powerful nature of God in our passages today. We'll begin with 1 Samuel 3. Now the boy Samuel continued serving the Lord under Eli's supervision. Receiving a message from the Lord was rare in those days. Revelatory visions were infrequent. Eli's eyes had begun to fail so that he was unable to see well. At that time he was lying down in his place, and the lamp of God had not yet been extinguished. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord as well. The ark of God was also there. The Lord called to Samuel, and he replied, Here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went back and lay down. The Lord again called Samuel. So Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you, my son. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The Lord's messages had not yet been revealed to him. Then the Lord called Samuel a third time. So he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Eli then realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, Go back and lie down. When he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went back and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood nearby, calling as he had called previously, as he had previously done, saying, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel replied, Speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, Look, I am about to do something in Israel. When anyone hears about it, both of his ears will tingle. On that day, I will carry out against Eli everything that I spoke about his house from start to finish. You should tell him that I am about to judge his house forever because of the sin that he knew about. For his sons were cursing God and he did not rebuke them. Therefore, I swore an oath to the house of Eli, saying, the sin of the house of Eli can never be forgiven by sacrifice or by grain offering. Samuel lay down until morning. Then he opened the doors of the Lord's house. But Samuel was afraid to tell Eli about the vision. However, Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He replied, Here I am. Eli said, What message did he speak to you? Don't conceal it from me. God will judge you severely if you conceal from me anything that he said to you. So Samuel told him everything. He did not hold back anything from him. Eli said, The Lord will do what he pleases. 
Samuel continued to grow, and the Lord was with him. None of his prophecies fell to the ground unfulfilled. All Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, realized that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord again appeared in Shiloh, for it was in Shiloh that the Lord had revealed himself to Samuel through a message from the Lord. Samuel revealed the word of the Lord to all Israel. Then the Israelites went out to fight the Philistines. They camped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines camped at Aphek. The Philistines arranged their forces to fight Israel. As the battle spread out, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men in the battle in the field. When the army came back to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why did the Lord let us be defeated today by the Philistines? Let's take with us the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh. When it is with us, it will save us from the hand of our enemies. So the army sent to Shiloh, and they took from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Heaven's armies, who sits between the cherubim. Now the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord arrived at the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the ground shook. When the Philistines heard the the sound of the shout, they said, What is the loud shout in the camp of the Hebrews? Then they realized that the Ark of the Lord had arrived at the camp. The Philistines were scared because they thought that the gods had come to help the camp come to the camp. They said, Woe to us, we have never seen anything like this. Woe to us. Who can deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck down the Egyptians with all sorts of plagues in the desert. Be strong and act like men, you Philistines, or else you will wind up serving the Hebrews the way they have served you. Act like men and fight. So the Philistines fought. Israel was defeated. They all ran home. The slaughter was very great. 30,000 foot soldiers from Israel fell in battle. The ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed. On that day, a Benjaminite ran from the battle lines and came to Shiloh. His clothes were torn, and dirt was on his head. When he arrived in Shiloh, Eli was sitting in his chair on the lookout by the side of the road, for he was very worried about the ark of God. As the man entered the city to give his report, the whole city cried out. When Eli heard the outcry, he said, What's the commotion? The man quickly came and told Eli. Now Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes looked straight ahead. He was unable to see. The man said to Eli, I am the one who came from the battle lines. Just today I fled from the battle lines. Eli asked, How did things go, my son? The messenger replied, Israel was... Israel has fled from the Philistines. The army has suffered a great defeat. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. The Ark of God has been captured. When he mentioned the Ark of God, Eli fell backward from his chair beside the gate. He broke his neck and died, for he was old and heavy. He had judged Israel for forty years. His daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and close to giving birth. When she heard that the Ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she doubled over and gave birth. But her labor pains were too much for her. As she was dying, the woman who were there with her said, Don't be afraid, you've given birth to a son. But she did not reply or pay any attention. She named the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, referring to the capture of the Ark of God and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. She said, The glory has departed from Israel because the Ark of God has been captured. Now the Philistines had captured the Ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. 
the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it into the temple of Dagon, where they positioned it beside Dagon. When the residents of Ashdod got up early the next day, Dagon was lying on the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set him back up in his place. But when they got up early the following day, Dagon was again lying on the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and his two hands were sheared off and were lying at the threshold. Only Dagon's body was left intact. For this reason, to this very day, neither Dagon's priest nor anyone else's who enters Dagon's temple steps on Dagon's threshold in Ashdod. The Lord attacked the residents of Ashdod severely, bringing devastation on them. He struck the people of both Ashdod and the surrounding area with sores. When the people of Ashdod saw that what was happening, they said, The ark of God of Israel should not remain with us, for he has attacked both us and our god Dagon. So they assembled all the leaders of the Philistines and asked, What should we do with the ark of God of Israel? They replied, The ark of the God of Israel should be moved to Gath. So they moved the ark of God to Israel, uh, of Israel to Gath. But after it had been moved, the Lord attacked the city, that city as well, causing a great deal of panic. He struck all the people of the city with sore, so they sent the ark of God to Ekron. But when the ark of God arrived at Ekron, the residents of Ekron cried out, saying, They have brought the ark of God of Israel to kill our people. So they assembled all the leaders of the Philistines and said, Get the ark of God of Israel out of here. Let it go back to its own place so that it won't kill us and our people. The terror of death was throughout the entire city. God was attacking them very severely there. The people who did not die were struck with sores. The city's cry for help went out all the way up to heaven. So here we have this uh, sad and, and difficult story, lots of loss and, and death. And in the middle of it all, we have the people of Israel and the people, the Philistines, their enemies, treating God basically the same way as some kind of amulet or charm that they could bring with them into battle for good luck or for his provision, as if they could somehow manage God, not realizing how powerful he is, and at the same time not realizing that he's personal, that he's the God that they can have a relationship with. Only Samuel shows to have that kind of relationship at this time, and that is part of the ministry that he will have going forward. But let's move on to another example of God being powerful and personal, And we find that in one of the most famous parts of the Bible, Psalm 23. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He takes me to lush pastures. He leads me to refreshing water. He restores my strength. He leads me down the paths, right paths for the sake of his reputation. Even when I must walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff reassure me. You prepare a feast before me in plain sight of my enemies. You refresh my head with oil. My cup is completely full. Surely your goodness and your faithfulness will pursue me all my days, and I will live in the Lord's house for the rest of my life. Such a beautiful psalm of assurance of God's love and provision and care that are only possible because God is the God who is also powerful enough to make those happen. And so we conclude today with Acts chapter 6, the continuing story of the early New Testament church. Now in those days when the disciples were growing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Greek-speaking Jews against the native Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. 
So the twelve called the whole group of the disciples together and said, It is not right for us to neglect the word of God to wait on tables, but carefully select from among you, brothers, seven men who are well attested, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of the necessary task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the entire group, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, with Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenaeus, and Nicholas, a Gentile convert from Ju- to Judaism from Antioch. They stood these men before the apostles, who prayed and placed their hands on them. The word of God continued to spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. But some men from the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, as well as some from Cilicia and the province of Asia, stood up and argued with Stephen. Yet they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Then they secretly instigated some men to say, We have heard this man speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. They incited the people, the elders, and the experts in the law. Then they approached Stephen, seized him, and brought him before the council. They brought forward false witnesses who said, This man does not stop saying things against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that Jesus the Nazarene will destroy this place and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the council looked intently at Stephen and saw his face was like the face of an angel. And we'll continue this story on tomorrow and hear Stephen's defense. But what's amazing is here's this man full of the Holy Spirit, chosen by God, a God who he has a very personal relationship with and a God whose powerful love for him is being shown even visibly in his face as he's standing on trial before people who are so angry at him. And again, through all these passages, we see God's personal nature in his relationship with his people and also his power which is not to be seen or looked upon as some kind of um, superstitious power that you can manage or manipulate, but it's a power that is seeking to love and to care for people and to provide for them in the way they need because God is both personal and powerful. And the way that we can know that this is absolutely true is by seeing again the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, the one who shows us just how personal and powerful God truly is. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You are-